Welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. This week, we travel to Portugal. Hello and welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Matt. And I'm Monty. This is the podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. Each week we take you through a different country's national final and pick the song we think deserves a second chance. A second bite of the cherry. And at the end of the series, it's you, the listeners, voting on your favourites. And at our live event, we crown the winner of the Second Cherry Song Contest. Woohoo! Good <laughs> <laughs> night! Hi, love. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Matt? I'm really good. How's you, Monty? I'm very well, thank you. Yes. And just a note on our live show, I hope you did heed our warnings to check the socials. Because between us recording the last episodes and recording this episode, we're a sellout. We the are. live show is a sellout. We'll come on to the reason why I know that tickets are being sold in a minute. But first, should we say hello to our special guest this episode? Yeah, shall we? Who is it? Who's joining us this week? Well, it's our Portuguese episode. We thought, why break tradition <laughs> and have Jodie West from Second Cherry? Oi, olá, boa noite, meninos. Tudo bem? Tudo and bem. And I am the apresentador com vocês no Second Cherry no Vox Tavern in November. <laughs> no es verdade? So, how is Brazil? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so nice that you have me back for the Portuguese episode. Obviously, I present with you at the live show, but you've been doing all the legwork with the, the podcast. Well done, news. But um, yeah, it's so nice to be back with you for the Portuguese episode. I'm doing well. Yeah. And um, I can't believe we're counting down to the live show, eh? It's getting I scary. Know. I know. Yeah. But muito bom, muito bem. Tudo bem. So let's look. Let's jump straight into the mailbag. We've got a lot to get through this episode. So let's whiz through it. Yeah, Matt, empty our sack. <laughs> <laughs> so on Twitter, then we had Vince who said the lovely Second Cherry Boys reminded me how good the Icelandic entry was this year, and what brilliant allies the band are. And he put the trans flag and the LGBT flag. Amazing. See you in November. Yay! Fantastic. I think Vince is coming to the live show, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, see you in November. Lovely, lovely, lovely. <laughs> and then we also had Dino, who talked about tickets. Uh, tickets for Second Cherry and Eurofest and Ronella all booked. So excited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So are we. we. We might turn up. Uh, and then David Nickel, again, tickets bought. So, well, we know they bought, well, we know they bought because we, we know we sold out now. But yes, at, we have. At the time that these were tweeted, they were five seconds after the, they went on sale. People were poised, weren't they? <laughs> they elected and they got their tickets. I'm very pleased. Oh, it's just it. wonderful, Renella at the Vauxhall Tavern. I'm really excited about that. I actually didn't know. I don't know how I didn't know that until after they went on sale. And then when I, I said, Really? <laughs> the, the Albanian singer that I love this year is at the Vauxhall Tavern. Oh my God! So well, actually, when we mentioned the live show, we weren't allowed to say it when we recorded ah. the last episodes. So yes, this is the first time that we're actually talking about Ronella being the special guest for Eurofest, which is after Second Cherry at the Vauxhall Tavern. It's. I don't think we could have asked for a better guest. Really? No. no. We love Renella on this podcast. We so do. My second favourite song of the year. I love that woman. I wish she'd qualified, but wasn't meant this time. But wow, what a performance, eh? Mm. Looking forward to seeing her at the live final. Bob is also there. 
He's texted us, hello Bob. It's basically saying ding a dong, got tickets. Of course you have. Of course you have. Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Eurovision is my boyfriend, Twitter handle, says, ah, the boys are heading back to that there Londinium for more Eurofest and second cherry shenanigans. And there will be shenanigans. They certainly will. With those boys, no will. correspondence will be entered into. <laughs> <laughs> Same from Cherno as well. Uh, finally got Eurofest tickets. See you there. Looking forward to it. Lewis also says, well, that's Eurofest tickets bought for November. Time to have a second cherry fest while I work. Ooh. So are you a new listener then, Lewis? Oh, catching up. Yeah. That would be fabulous to have a new, new audience there. But also, like, that means you've been listening to us constantly, so you've had a lot of me and Montina ears right now. You can never have too much. <laughs> and then a uh, good friend of the podcast, David Allwood, who also recently got crowned Mr. Gay England. Yes. Yeah. Tweets us, obviously. Uh, loving Second Cherry podcast, as always. Glad Monty is feeling better in time for this Icelandic episode. Must have taken a lot of strength to find many positives in this lineup of songs. Eek. Uh, <laughs> so glad Sister won and flew the trans flag at the live final. Yeah. Yay. A lot of love for Sister, actually. And that concludes the emptying of our sack. So, Matt, tell us all about the Festival de Cansao. The Portuguese national final this year. Yes, very interesting, this national final. One of my favourites. It was on the 5th and the 7th of March, the semi-finals, and the final was on the 12th of March. The three shows all took place at RTP Studio One in Lisbon. Each semi-final had 10 songs and five advanced to the final with a 50-50 jury panel and televoting. Then in the final, there was a slight change to the voting. It was a 50-50 between televote and jury, but this jury now wasn't a panel. It was regional panels. So it went from region to region. So a lot more juries. There are six presenters over the, the three shows. Uh, two per show. First semi-final was hosted by uh, George Gabriel and Sonia Araujo, while the second semi-final was hosted by... <laughs> I'm not looking at uh, Jody, he's uh, <laughs> laughing. Sonia Araujo. Sonia Araujo. Araujo. Sonia Araujo. George Gabriel, Sonia Araujo. Okay. Daytime, daytime st- stalwarts in um, Portuguese television. Okay. I think <laughs> you're fine. Sorry, Sonia. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Sonia. But I like Sonia Araujo. <laughs> She sounds fun. Isn't that orange in Portuguese? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the other one was hosted by Tanya Ribas de Oliveira and uh, Jose Carlos Malato. The final was hosted by, and this is where it gets really interesting because I adore her, Filomena Cautera and Vasco Palmarine. Vasco and Filomena. Filomena. She was the host, of course, she, in of 2018. Course yeah. What a doll. Huge, huge presenter in Portugal. She did the, the nighttime chat show for many years. I think it's still going. Cinco para mea noite. Um, great. Fabulous. So sassy, right? Yeah. So sassy. And this Vasco Palmarim, I don't know if any of our Portuguese listeners know much about him, but he must be a big one because he's hosted the final for, I think, three years running now. And RTP have got into a really good little routine where they have the two daytime hosts for the first semi-final, two daytime hosts for the second, and then the big stars for the final. I, I quite like it. It seems to have settled into a, a nice routine. So, parabéns, Portugal. Mm. Parabéns, indeed. Well, they are very well practiced. They've had many years to do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So, but 
I want to talk to you guys specifically about the experience of going to the Festival de Cancel because I haven't done it. I really want to do it. But you guys went in 2010 and 2017. We what did. The, what the hell? Well, yeah, we got the chance to go in 2010 and then we were we got very, very lucky in 2017 and we were um, gifted some tickets that year. Um, it was lovely. I mean, I've always really quite enjoyed Portugal at Eurovision. Um, it's a very long national final. They go, I mean, back in 2010, they went around all of the houses for the voting. I think there were 24 regional juries and we had to sit through them all. And then at the end of it, they all got condensed down to one set of 12, 10, 8 points. Oh God! <laughs> so we were, it was about an hour to do that, and it does. Um, yeah, it does drag on. When we went in twenty seventeen, I think it was like the sixtieth anniversary of RTP, um, it and was. it was a special show commemorating, you know, all of this history of the archives. I do remember in twenty seventeen, we managed to somehow find ourselves in the VIP bar, and I remember just looking around, and they're standing. Two metres away from me, looking incredibly stately, was Simone d'Olivera. And I looked at her and I gave a little <gasps> gasp. And she looked and saw me do that and she just smiled very magisterially. Yes. And just yeah. was, it absolutely made my night. I, I don't know how we got into that little VIP section. I have no idea. But I was just behind Jose Malato, who's one of the hosts that you just mentioned. We were just behind him at the bar. And I think I actually ducked it in front of him and got a drink ahead of him. And he was one of the hosts. <laughs> and that, yeah, that was, you're right, the Coliseo for the 60 year anniversary of RTP, mm-hmm. not the Festival, Festival de Cansao. I just want to say it properly. The, the TV broadcaster. The, the TV, TV broadcaster, yeah. 600 anos ligados, like connected. 60 years connected. It was a great show, wasn't it? But it went on a lot because it was all the archives were wheeled out and all the... Yeah. All, all, and all I seem to remember the bar closed early. I seem to remember we, we went for it, a late drink as it was... It probably did us no harm, Bab. <laughs> <laughs> so let's be honest. How do you say let's be honest in Portuguese? Follow the dad. But lovely. I was really not... I mean, I, I do love to... Obviously, oh. you know, this podcast is all about the National Files. So it's one of the nicest experiences I've had of going to uh, an international... It, it, it really is one of our most loved countries in Eurovision, isn't it? We, we know Portugal always does their own thing, pretty yeah. much, and it usually often doesn't land with the rest of Europe, but obviously it landed in Salvador, Salvador Sobral's year. And I really think they've found a little niche. You know, they do quirky... Uh, songs really well and the staging has got better and better and better and yeah well done well done well testament to how well it's doing is what the current winner the current crowned winner of Festival de Cancel did at Eurovision so uh, it was won by Maru with Sadada Sadada yeah and uh, qualified the semi-final in fourth place with 208 points and then in the final came seventh which is very high with 207 points. But there was some interesting thing about the voting. So you got lots of jury points and televote points in the semi-final. But then in the final, the televote dropped off. All those points are pretty much from juries. Oh, really? So where did she arrive in the end in the final? In the Nine, final se- seventh, seventh place. Oh, was it seven? Yeah, yeah but that's yeah. very much carried by the juries. That, but that's a really good result for that for, for Portugal and for that song. I think it, I mean, we said at the time, I think it stood out because of the presentation and the round. It was something different. It was just a very lovely, gentle song. And, you know, if you're going to go for musical quality over the spectacle, that 
you know, could well be the, the song that you chose to back. Yeah, yeah. It, it just bounced along so nicely, didn't it? The hand clapping and the, the looks of, in the round, as you say. And yeah, I mean, that's a, probably quite a surprising result for Portugal. Yeah, I thought they were. She was surprised. I hadn't even realised they came so high. Actually, in top ten, I thought they were middling somewhere. But yeah, that, that's a good result for Portugal this year again. So let's have a little listen then to what was my favourite Eurovision song this year. Nothing more than I can say says it in a better way. Nothing more than I can say says it in a better. way There we are then, Mario with Sadaja Sadaja. Did the right song win? Clearly. Well, my very quick rough. answer is yes, <laughs> I love it. I think it's beautiful. I'm glad it came. Yes, absolutely we did. Yeah. Did he? I didn't see it during Festival de Cancel season as an obvious winner, but it obviously won and did really well for Portugal. So I can't see any other song in, in Festival de Cancel uh, bettering her. Um, so... I have a, a personal favourite in Festival de Cancel, which we'll come on to later, but yeah, yeah, it probably did. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult to argue with that result, isn't it? You know, when you come seventh, it's difficult to say, you know, you sent the wrong song. Um, I think they were more creative and experimental songs, some of which we might be about to hear, um, that I think would have made a more interesting entry for Portugal. But... It's difficult to argue with that result. So that's the winner of the Festival de Cansao. Shall we have a listen to the songs that we've shortlisted to get the Portuguese cherry? So the first song that we're going to listen to is by Ines Hormen de Melo, and it's called Forma de Viagem. It literally translates as a hunger to travel, which we might call a wanderlust. Porque eu só quero viajar, não sei que a vida tem bagulho, o mundo já vai lhe revoar, pique everything from the menu. Eu tudo quero visitar, desde Lisboa até Moscou, e chove menos viajar, a vida é bela. Porque eu só quero viajar, não sei que a vida tem bagulho, o mundo já vai lhe revoar, pique everything from the menu. Eu tudo quero visitar, desde Lisboa até Moscou, e chove menos viajar, e esforço a raiz andar de esclar, só não pertenço viajar, a vida é bela. Mas, o que você pensou? Well, there always seems to be this cheeky, somewhat Fado-inspired theatre song in the Festival de Cancel every year. Um, if you listen to the lyrics, it's basically Euro fandom, the musical, because it talks about wanting to travel everywhere, learn languages, sing strong and free. And essentially, that's, that's our life, basically. Uh, so it, it's a li the little theatre game is excited, uh, but the Eurovision fan me less so. It's that song in a musical that nudges the narrative along rather than that big number that the musical is known for, if that makes sense. It's a bit, yeah, it's no I Dreamed a Dream or Defying Gravity. It's lovely song, but just there. Yes, I understand that. For me, I just can't help listening to this and thinking, well, Ines has clearly been um, a little bit bored in her COVID isolation <laughs> and she's gagging to get her flip-flops on and get on a plane. 
Uh, and who can blame her, really? You know, we've all got that form of deviation, I think. Um, she's cramming everything into a suitcase in this song. There's a lot going on. Um, there's um, some suitcases piled up on stage. The dancers are standing like they're in an airport queue. And then they start to dance around her. In a style, I think, is a little bit amdram. Uh, they're, they're holding up their guidebooks. They're, um, they hand her an oversized boarding card <laughs> at one point. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it kind of bounces along, doesn't it? The, the overarching word that came to me for this was whimsy, which is capriccioso in Portuguese, a little bit capricious. Mm. And I think it does have that kind of, you know, sort of slight playfulness about it, but it's also quite, um, it's very light and whimsical, I think, is the word. Yeah, I mean, my memory of when it um, appeared at Festival Concert, I hated it when I watched it back just to prepare for tonight. I was like, okay, yeah, it's um, twee is another word you could say. Couldn't <laughs> yes, you? yeah, absolutely. And obviously, maybe some of the listeners know my proper job is uh, working on the airlines and seeing a security queue, seeing suitcases, seeing travel guides and seeing excited passengers actually fills me with bloody dread. <laughs> so it it doesn't do well for my stress levels, this song. But there's something there. And I guess after COVID and us all being locked down, there's a nice story there. But I do find it ever so slightly irritating. And it's probably not one I would pop on my playlist again. But I get there's a nice idea there. Um, and I just love that translation. Forma de viaging, wanderlust. I would have said hunger to travel, but it was Monty that said before, no, it's wanderlust. And I love languages for that. So yeah, Inesh de Omim, well done. There's lots of language in this, actually, because she drops in, she drops in Portuguese, English, German, Spanish, um, Russian, Swedish... Italian. I'll just read out some of the lyrics, which yeah. she, you know, she, I know she said on holiday, I want to aprender as linguas, to understand yeah. languages, yeah. look for something sweet and fun in English, uh, in German, ich fahre jedes Autobahn, I want to dra- travel every um, autobahn, uh, me gusta la playa y tapas con pan. Who doesn't <laughs> love <Absolutely>. tapas con pan? <laughs> but then she goes into Russian, so I said, now I'm ready to travel. Fint hey, come to help me. Can you help me? Uh, in Swedish. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Que tengo ganas de tarta de fresa. He wants a strawberry tart. Well, <laughs> and then in Italian, Dun italiano vero voglio sentire buongiorno principessa. She wants to wake up to a genuine Italian saying, oh, Good morning, princess. princess. Oh. Morning, princess. She's got, she's got a lot of needs, that Ines. She's got a lot she of has, needs. Yeah. Um, she, would, yeah, she might have hoovered up a few votes if she'd got to your vision in all those languages, but... Also, maybe not. And he's playing to the gallery, you know, to Absolutely. try and get those points Absolutely. by dropping something yeah. in that and Sort of charming, yeah. I guess. She's sort of a, desperate. Ines is a psychiatrist on her day job and she finds her own therapy in music. Oh, it shows. I would say on the basis of this song, her, her head must be going about 19 to the dozen. <laughs> I would say this is more travel starvation than travel hunger, but that's just my <laughs> So, do you like it? I like it, mm-hmm. but like how I like ready salty crisps it's like mm, yeah. they're just there I mean it, there's a lot of whimsy but I have to say it does annoy the titting crap out of me <laughs> <laughs> let's move on then oh. song number two is Diana Castro with Ginger Ale <laughs>
Montier, Star Review, thoughts on ginger ale? Well, I, this is nice. This is sweet. Um, so I, I, just to say what the, the, the song's about, um, there's a little quote from our friends at um, uh, ESC Bubble, who got an interview with her. And she said, the song's about this idea that persists in our minds of the perfect woman, the perfect housewife, the perfect mom, when we also want to be ourselves, be artists, go out, dance and drink something that reminds us of our youth. In this case, it's a ginger ale, a sweet ginger drink. But for anyone else, it could be coke or a gin just the idea of getting rid of the expectations and having fun Aww. it's sweet isn't it yeah so i mean the lyrics are you know she's bogged down in life she's um you know she's being a mom she feels she's not achieving anything uh or not achieving everything she could she's uh wondering if the multitasking will ever end she says i feel like i've lost left my dreams on the bedside table uh in the lyrics so she just wants to go and let her hair down so you know who can blame her for that but um I bless her. She's, you know, in, in choosing to let her hair down and, you know, go a little bit wild and racy. <laughs> she's she's just having a ginger ale. But then she seems to be having a bit of a guilt trip about it as well. So, um, you know, let yourself go, girl. You know, chuck a bit of rum in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was about to say that because she was missing a trick because there's a well-known little drink in Portugal or Lisbon called gingia. You know that. Oh. So she could have changed the lyrics to, you know, gingia. And it would have been much better. Um, I love this. I have to say, I absolutely adore this. Where the last one was a little bit twee and annoying, this one for me was just charming and light and funny and just I was just mesmerized. I I, I just adored it. And you picked up Monty on the best use of the word multitasking in a song <laughs> ever. Um, yeah, this just left me smiling, whereas the last one left me sort of grimacing a little bit yeah I love Diana Diana what's her name Diana Castro Diana Castro Diana Castro yes. muito bem muito bem para mim para mim one of the best songs yeah I mean she's a total hun you know you can oh, imagine like absolutely <laughs> so being a mother and having all that expectation and responsibility uh, it can really sort of bog you down like, you know mums I don't need to tell mums that you know uh, and you can lose sight of who you are and I think it's her just reclaiming that saying, you know, reclaim the, the person that you used to be. And I just love that energy. Mm. It's staged perfectly, by the way. Mm. I think they couldn't get this more right. Little cute bits of choreo that really lean into her personality. I would have a ginger ale with her. In yeah. fact, my 40th is in Lisbon next year. So we should get an invite. Oh, Come yeah. have a ginger ale. Let's look her up. Yeah, yeah. let's yeah. look her out. I mean, we'll start with ginger ale, love, but you'll we'll, we'll end up with ginger ale. And, and poppers and, and a hesaka <laughs> the next day. Oh. but but uh, yeah perfectly staged song the last one was forced this one was not the backing singers were fun as well yeah. weren't they yeah. they were really lovely yeah. nice. song number three then is Fadubisha with Povo Pequenino Little People Monty, Fadu Bisha, they're right up our alley. Oh, they are. When they were announced as taking part, 
I just thought, oh, they look interesting. And the more I looked into them, the more my interest was piqued. I love what they're doing. They, they, they talk about challenging the nature, the conservative nature of Fado, um, which they talk about as being sort of almost sanctified in Portuguese culture. And so what they're trying to do is take these Fado songs and they're trying to turn them into anthems of anti-discrimination. So they're talking about, you know, the Portuguese folklore. They're talking about, you know, the symbols of the revolution in Portugal. They're talking about, you know, the, the sort of the authoritarian regime. Lots of these themes coming into their song, but they're putting a queer twist on it. We should just say Fado Bisha. Bisha is like a slang term for like, bitch. you know, you, yeah, bitch or queer. Or, you you know, we, we, we use it talking, you know, sort of, you know, in a in a really sort of um friendly way yeah. because we you know about your close friends uh, you know to other gay men you say oh bisha uh, and that's just the name that you call each other yeah. and it's yeah. um, it, it but it's quite a, a it's quite a politically charged word it's quite a sort of controversial um term as well but i love that and this so this is it translates as kind of like queer fado uh, and I absolutely love that. And uh, the, one of them has said in an interview, my gender identity is Bisha. And I, I just absolutely love it. I love everything that this group stands for. Yeah, they caught fire, so to speak, in 2019, where there was a real racial tensions in Portugal at the time. The far right was calling for a return to dictatorship. And they rewrote lyrics to a popular Fadi song. And it went viral because it became like a protest song. And this is where you can see where that their foundation is. You said about the whole going back to the roots of Fadu and breaking that conservatism. Well, they've said, a quote was, Fadu was born among the oppressed. We are going back to its conceptual origins. That's it. That's exactly what they're doing. I agree everything about them I love. This song, however, is just not as impactful as I wanted. I, You know when you really want to love something? And I was prepared to fight for this song for the whole of the season. And it was just a bit, okay, like, it's all right. I mean, it is very traditional Fado, actually. But the staging was a little bit meh. I wanted to love it, but it's just okay for me. I will challenge you about the song, but agree with you on the staging. I think this song is absolutely charming and I love it. But I'm very disappointed by the presentation they brought to the stage. I expected to be wowed by this and unfortunately I wasn't in the way that they performed it but as a song absolutely adore this Mm. I love the idea of them I didn't actually know all that that you've just described about the band I have to admit Um, and it's a lovely lovely um, thought of challenging the traditional Fado music for the, the new oppressed people who could be the minorities um, that they that they represent i was disappointed on both fronts though monty on the song and the staging i thought the staging was even though it had everything it, it lacked everything for me it was almost like they'd gone into the the rtp student and said what can we have makeup bleach hair blah 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 rug this that the other and then i think i don't know there's something about the song for me it was just really jarring and i guess maybe fado is quite jarring but i just found it I didn't find it very melodic and I found it a big disappointment given the build-up to Festival Cancel of this um, of this band. So yeah, it wasn't a hit for me, but I do love the idea of 
the act and what they represent. And I hope we'll hear from them again, you know, maybe going forward. Well, actually, the, in terms of hearing from them again, what I did think about this was that, you know, we have acts at Euro- that have made it to Eurovision that have not had great starts in their national finals, but they've gone on to be absolute Eurovision classics. I'm thinking about people like Lorraine. Conchita. A Conchita. The Babushki, even. Icons of Eurovision yeah. that did not succeed on their first attempt in national finals. So I would absolutely love to see Fadabi Shabak, but giving us a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. I'm totally on board with the song style. Yeah. But yes, the presentation. I mean, it even like to the point where, you know, there were a couple of steps and he walked up the steps and then sort of jumped off. But it was like jumping off, like, you know, from two feet high. <laughs> yeah, 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 it wasn't yeah. very dramatic. Yeah, yeah. You know, I wanted a little bit more yeah. build and I wanted a little bit more drama in the performance. And I don't think we got it. And I also don't think that they were really maximizing the ability to perform to a television audience. It wasn't really no. catching the camera. No, they weren't. But... I think with a little bit more rehearsal, a little bit more forethought, I would love, love, love to see them back. And you never know. And they probably are going to be back, you would say. Interesting. Father Bisha. And it's so funny because Bisha is actually mostly used in Brazil. I mean, it's not highly used in Portugal, but it's obviously known because, you know, the language is the same. But Bisha is a very Brazilian word. But it is, as you say, often used between gay people as a term of endearment. It's like, oi, B, oi, B, like, hi, B, how are you? Bisha. Mm-hmm. It's not a. It's not a. It's not saying. It's not a nasty word at all. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a nice word of, of reverence and um, yeah. So Fado Bisha is a great two little two words together. It's a great band name. <laughs> Love them. Moving on, song four is called Degrade and it's by Pongo e Tristane. <laughs> about this well degrade talks of coming to terms i think with living in a multicultural society such as portugal it's kind of like an advice song it's sort of giving advice how to feel about your past present and future and even mentions a love triangle of you me us it's very much about identity and freedom in that identity and it's just full of poetry and poignancy surrounding the Afro-Portuguese experience, I think. It's, it's very much, you can see there's stuff behind the lyrics here. The music is quite abrasive, I think. It's a hard listen, which I really, I like stuff like that. Packed with a mishmash of sounds. There is traditional Portugal there, but there's also Afrobeats from Angola. I find this just really interesting confusing in a really intriguing way yeah absolutely that's uh, my initial response to this song was oh god turn the volume down this is gonna be too much for me can't cope it's too loud it's in my face then i i kind of couldn't take my eyes off it when um they start the performance and um, the girl comes in and i think she has like a cape on at the start and it's taken down and then they start doing these wonderful kicks with the trainers on and amazing choreography and then this sort of tribal rhythm beat starts and I was like, 
oh, okay, this is nice. This is interesting. I might not listen to it when I'm, you know, washing the dishes and stuff <laughs> in my dressing gown of a Tuesday morning. But I was like, oh, this is actually good. And then I'm finding myself really getting into it by the end. It really builds and builds and builds. There's a real energy to it, real energy to it. And I was like, okay, this is something different. And in national finals, they can be really formulaic. And this was a real song that didn't fit a formula. It just escaped the formula and I, we were really impressed with it and um yeah i don't know where it finished in the in the final but it it, it, it did well and i loved it in the end it was sixth okay in the final so, so you know it did it did fairly well um i i i can't agree with you more around that kind of you know, breaking out of the formula of what a national final song is and i think that the festival de cancer was doing such a great job of showcasing this you know, new blend of, of different cultures and the impact of different cultures and the blending and the drawing together, um, you know, of sort of, you know, something um, a little bit more traditional Portuguese, um, as well as kind of, you know, the, the, the Portuguese speaking nations around the world. So we've got, you know, Pongo's um, Angolan Portuguese was born in Luanda, um, but moved to Lisbon after the the Angolan War. And, and I found a really interesting little bit of backstory because apparently so her father was really strict. So you're talking about the difficulties of growing up in the society. And it's really sad, actually, when she was 12 years old, she threw herself out of a building um, from the seventh floor, um, sustaining injuries and breaking her leg. And while she was recovering and, you know, unable to walk properly, apparently her father gave her the nickname um, after a, a Congolese singer who had had polio and couldn't walk called uh, Mpongo Love. And that's where the Pongo comes from. But it was while she was going to a sort of a rehab session um, for that, that she, you know, she she came across this um, dance squad in a, in a neighbourhood. And she, you know, that's when she started dancing after her recovery as part of the, you know, the rehabilitation and then started singing. And, then, you know, this is how she got into, you know, expressing herself in music. I just think it's really great. And you've got, um, you know, uh, Tristani with Angolan um, descent and the, the languages coming in this, you've got Portuguese, Cape Verdean and Kimbundu. And I love that kind of sort of, you know, that bringing together of different cultures mm. that people are drawing on, you know, their mixed heritage, their multiple heritage um, and the, the culture of the countries that they now mm. live in. I just think this stands out a mile it's because of the rhythm. It's slightly discordant, but it's absolutely mesmerising to watch. You know, so if you if you haven't, if you're not familiar with this song, don't just take it on the audio. This is all about the visual presentation. So please do, you know, go and have a look at the um, the performance of this. Just brilliant. This mm. is exactly what I would love to see Portugal sending to Eurovision because it's bold it's innovative it's creative uh, yeah. and it's celebrating so many different mm. cultures that now come together as the modern mm. young portugal i have an inkling this might have done very well at eurovision yeah to be honest yeah. i think because on a bigger stage i think it would have really come alive more but it it came alive for me on that stage it was it was really, really surprising. It's the kind of song that can go either way because, you know, yeah. we, we championed and had high hopes for Conanus Iris and that didn't achieve success. But I think this has a different kind of audience. Yeah. I, and I think this could have done... Totally. This, it would have been yeah. really interesting to yeah. see on the European Yeah, yeah. Conan Iris for me was always arty-farty, 
just because you can doesn't mean you should type get song. Out Sorry, of I know. Get but, out. But this feels more uh, authentic to me. Mm-hmm. Song five is by a band called the Squathroy Mayor, four and a half, and it's called Amanya Tomorrow. Quando o sol aparecer Com que lado eu vou daqui Depois de ti Depois de ti Eu quero ver Eu quero ver Quando o sol aparecer Com que lado eu vou This is my kind of secret favorite song of the year not so secret anymore (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i love this from the moment i saw it in the semi-final um the camera angles the band setting the boys aren't ugly the song is (laughs) anthemic um it builds nicely um some would say it's probably a little bit on the the dull side and i would probably agree with you but there's also something absolutely charming about it and i was playing this to death back in um, march or whenever first of all happened I don't know much about the boys, but my spies in Portugal say that this is um, the best of of their current songs, on, uh, and obviously they're trying to uh, uh, carve a career out in in Portugal. I would have loved this to have won uh, Festival de Cansao, but I totally recognise that it might have been a three minute snooze fest for many of our listeners, many of the Eurovision fans. But I just think it's a, just a gorgeous, gorgeous song. I I'll, I'll challenge you on the uh, the um, carving out a career because actually. This is a huge band. They are huge. Oh, are they? I thought yeah. they hadn't quite made it. I, I didn't know this until I looked into them. But then suddenly I was like, oh, this is a band that has knocked Salvador Sobral off number one in Portugal. Oh, really? Yeah. Didn't know that. Uh, you know, they 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 are nice boys mm. of the band, I think. They met at college, got together. I don't know if it's still true now, but a few years ago they were still working their normal jobs as like doctors and whatever, teachers. So they just seem like a nice group of guys. Um, the name, Four and a Half, is apparently because the bassist, Rui, is short stature. <laughs> and when you look at the video, which we'll link to, you'll see what we mean. <laughs> oh, I thought it was the drummer was the half. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The, okay. But, I, but I, I, like, I like the fact that this song has a lilting quality. It's quite sweet. You're right. It does just unfolds gently. Perhaps too gently, I think, for something like Eurovision and a competition like this as well, which is why, you know, the melody is quite hard to recall, um, which I think is an issue with the song, but still something really worthy of a national final like Festival de Cancel. So good. Mm. It was really well presented, actually. There's a very simple reflection effect on the screen and it looks so good. Uh, They are, yeah, big band, two number one albums in Portugal, apparently. So, yeah, and it came second, and maybe it's that popularity that helped drive them mm. um, so far mm. um, uh, up the uh, the scoreboard at the Festival de Cancel. Um, uh, yeah, really nice lyric as well. There's a lyric about, if tomorrow morning there's only the two of us left, in this night to remember, I'll keep my voice in you, and I write a lyric about us, mm. which he has. Aww. Yeah. It's really sweet. Yeah, the Portuguese language is really good for song. It's very rich for song. It really is. My sources in Portugal. I'm going to have to um, 
come down on you because I was told that they they haven't made it yet, but they've had two number one albums. So I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, I should do more research. That's, that's pretty made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're always right in the first place. They're a great band. <laughs> Quattro Mea, <laughs> Parabéns. They loved it, loved it, loved it. So that's our five shortlisted songs. Which one of those is going to be the Portuguese cherry? We'll tell you after this. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. Yeah, you know what this is now? Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That's good. Ooh, that's good, that is. Oh, that is good. Oh, that is good. Uh, This week... Uh, well, this week at the time that we're recording, not when it's going out, but we're going to just talk about it anyway, is, uh, well, the news has broken that Eurovision 2023 in the UK is now going to be either two places, Liverpool or Glasgow. We've whittled it down to two places. By the time this goes out, it might be whittled down to one. <laughs> but at the moment, we're excited to have a two-city shortlist. <laughs> So we think this is good news, makes us feel good because it just, the contest is ever closer because of it. Now, I'm going to ask you guys, you first of all, Jody. Okay. Where would you prefer? Well, who do I want as green room host? Do I want Rain Kelly? <laughs> or do I want Sonia? Um, <laughs> do you know what? When it all started and the seven cities were announced, I did have a sneaking suspicion that Liverpool would maybe have a strong bid and maybe an outsider. And it seems to have come true. Liverpool seem to have put together a really good bid. Um, I, I like Glasgow. Glasgow is always a strong bid. But yeah, I've got to go with my Northern English roots, haven't I? You know, I've only been to Liverpool once and that was only for a musical for three hours. So I haven't actually stayed a night there. So I'd love to go to Liverpool. So I think Liverpool. Okay. Let's go for it. Now, Monty, Newcastle's now not in the running. So that's disappointed you, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, I was up in Newcastle, my home city, a few weeks ago and... There was something where I could see the arena from my my hotel mm-hmm. room, and I was walking along the river, and I was like, you know, it would be amazing to have Eurovision here, actually. I but I never thought that Newcastle really stood a chance. Of the two that's left, I mean, I have to say, Glasgow's my preference because I've never been, so it would feel a little bit more like going on holiday. But it does feel as though all the momentum is there with Liverpool. Even when it was the seven city shortlist, it felt like there was some buzz about Liverpool. And I don't think it really was on people's radar before then. I think, you know, we were thinking Manchester, Birmingham, Glasgow. And then Liverpool seems to to come in with a bit of a curveball. I mean, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but my Mm, suspicion mm. is that, you know, the team that's working with Liverpool has just thrown everything out of here. You know, they've really gone for it and presented an incredibly attractive bid. And here we are down Mm, to the final mm. two. And the decision may be announced by the time this goes out, but, you know, whether it is or isn't, I still, I think it's, you know, Liverpool is a a tantalising prospect. Mm. But I think Glasgow mm. also ticks the boxes as well. Interesting that I'm from Leeds and I never actually championed Leeds. I don't know why. <laughs> I just can I just can't imagine Eurovision 2023 in Leeds. <laughs> it just doesn't. Even though Leeds is a lovely city, I'm not. I'm nothing against my home city. Um, I just never imagined it would come to Leeds. And yeah, I'm thinking it's Liverpool. You th- what you want, or you um, think both? Both. both yeah. Both. I, I'm I'm torn because I think both are great. I think you know. I, Liverpool would save me a lot of money if it was there, talking personally. <laughs> but no, I, I'm, I'm sort of down for whatever. At this point, 
Don't care. Both places. It's going to be incredible. What I love most about the whole bidding process is that it feels like everybody in the bloody UK suddenly is interested in where Eurovision's going to be. You know, the BBC News has been championing it. They've done right. all these lovely little, you know, sort of almost postcard video clips of the seven cities to showcase them. They had to, you know, rush the last ones for you uh, through quite quickly on the day that it was announced there was <laughs> going to be an announcement. But uh, I, I think, you know, the, the, the BBC Breakfast News and the BBC News, yeah. they, they've really been championing it. And I think there's a real buzz about the UK hosting. And I know, we, I still think we've got to remember, and I don't think everybody is, that we're kind of, you know, placeholder hosting, yeah. you know, on behalf yeah. of Ukraine. But the fact that Eurovision is coming to our shores, I do think, it, I'm just loving the buzz about it. Absolutely loving it. And it really feels like we've turned the corner in our attitude to the contest here. Oh, I hope so, I hope so. And that in itself could be a... Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. So, Monty, tell us, what cherry has been chosen for Portugal this year? Well, it is a little bit of a curveball in itself, and it is Ponga in Tristane with Degradé. Something very different and unique and diverse to add to the second cherry lineup. Quite late in the lineup as well. We're almost at the end of this season. Because, Matt, we've decided there is only going to be one more cherry mm. to add to the list. 14 songs this year as a maximum. And we've got one more to add next week. So very much looking forward to next week's episode, the last regular episode in the series. And voting will be open after the next episode too. We will be doing a wrap-up episode after that, so you've still got a chance to get in touch and give us any of your thoughts. Tweet us at Second Cherry, Instagram, second underscore cherry, or Facebook at Second Cherry Podcast. Or... You can email us, which is hello at secondcherry.vision. That's hello at secondcherry.vision. We look forward to hearing from you and we'll be back next week with the last regular episode of the 2022 series, completing the lineup for the Second Cherry Song Contest 2022. Thanks for listening. See you later. Bye. Bye. Obrigado, boa noite.